Thank you for joining this sermon podcast from Cornerstone Fellowship in Forest City, North Carolina. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message. Cornerstone exists to glorify God as we passionately pursue Him and make Him known through worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. Here's today's message. This morning we're going to do things a little bit a little bit differently. We'll go ahead and bring up the house lights. I want to do something and then we will pray together. Uh, can we get the lights on? We got a bunch of folks. We got about 10 people doing Sharon's job this morning. So uh, anyway, thank you. Yes, there we go. If you, you need one of these, uh, it is a sermon handout. I know we haven't had them in a long time, but uh, so we have the ushers that are waiting uh, and are, they'll be getting them to you. We're going to make sure everybody gets one. We will probably be using this same outline maybe for at least a couple of more weeks. I know at least one more, if and maybe ten more. I don't know. I prayed really hard this week that God, you just help me not to get in a hurry. Help me just to preach this passage the way you would have it done. Uh, sometimes I, I get all kinds of distractions going on in my mind, and oh, I got to finish the outline, and. I, I got to make sure I bring it all back around and tie it together. All of that goes on inside my little head. And uh, I prayed that God would just set me free from all of those distractions this morning. I will go ahead and tell you, you can open it up inside. There is the outline that uh, we will be following for this passage itself. There are notes on the back. There is a typo on the back. Um, Two words for anger, uh, so I'll go ahead and tell you that before you come to me afterwards, and I have to demonstrate one of those two words to you. But I felt like we needed some notes. There's so, so much that we're going to be saying, and we're going to be looking at two verses, Romans Chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. And I wanted you to have the Scripture. It's there if you open it up as well. And uh, we will talk about that in a moment. I want to read the text, and then I want us to pray. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for... I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also the Greek. That just means Gentile. If you're not a Jew, you're a Gentile. It's always been that way. Sometimes, though, in ancient culture, because Greek Hellenism or Greek culture had so pervaded every other culture but Judaism, sometimes they would just refer to all the others as Greeks. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. 
as it is written. And he quotes Habakkuk 2.4. But the righteous man shall live by faith. If you are presuming that if we might be here for several weeks, there must be a lot to unpack, you would be spot on. Let's pray. Lord, I ask you right now, God, knowing, Father, that I, I don't deserve a hearing with you, knowing, Lord, that outside of your grace and your gift of righteousness, Lord, that I am too unfit to even say your name. So I come, Lord, with that complete, clear understanding. And I ask you right now, God, to work a miracle in our presence. I pray, Father, you would help us to understand what these two verses mean. Not just what they mean, but how important they are. And I pray, God, if there is one soul here today that has never understood exactly how salvation works, maybe some thought they did, but they're about to discover that possibly they they were wrong. Lord, I pray for anyone, first of all, that doesn't know your salvation, doesn't have your salvation, God, has not received your gift of grace. And then I pray for everyone who has, Lord, that we would have a deeper understanding of what it means to be born again. We give this time to you, God. Thank you, Lord. We feel your presence. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. The verses we read are the theme, is the, is the theme of the entire book of Romans. If you get these two verses, then you have a frame within which to put the entire book of Romans. And these two verses are incredibly, incredibly important. I I don't quite know how to say it because I'm so bad. I've I've made such a uh, horrible habit of saying, "Boy, this is the most important thing," or "Or boy, this is the one thing you have to get." I, I wished I had another word. I've I've worn those out, but I, I can just tell you, these two verses are vitally important. And I'll go ahead and tell you at the outset, the reason they're so important is they teach us how salvation works. And so I I hope and pray, if you are born again, you don't assume that, well, okay, I've got that. Maybe next week will be a good time to take off. We've been planning on getting out of town. We're saved. We've got it. Not so fast. Because I I hope and pray that we who do know the Lord as our Savior understand, have a better understanding of, of possibly why it's been so hard since we got saved. And that's usually how we look at it. But it's not really how the Bible presents salvation. 
how we got saved, and then it was almost like we were shoved into a world all by ourselves. God was there at the when we got saved, when we entered in, but life so far has been like a haunted house, and we just wait for the coming of the Lord to finally come drag us out of it. One failure after another, frustration, uh, trying to make things right with God, trying to live for Him, in church some, out of church some, all of those things. Uh, I, I, it's a dynamic that goes on in Christian people's lives all the time. And I think the answer for that is demonstrated for us in these two verses. I won't get in a hurry exegeting them uh, because there's some things that we need to talk about first. And I'm going to take a deep breath and not rush through these things like I usually do. The two most important things in all the world, okay? I know I've said that about other things, but these are more importanter than those things. The two most important things in the world, I believe with all of my heart, is first of all that we glorify God, or that God is glorified. Now, that doesn't mean, well, let's get the band up and sing another song or two then instead of preaching. No, no, no. Remember the word glorify means that you take something like a precious vase that has been covered with tarnish. We've used this illustration before. And you begin to rub that vase and you don't add anything to it. Oh, the shine is there. But you can't see it. You just bring it forth. You just get the gunk out of the way and you let the vase be the vase or the lamp be the lamp or the precious piece of jewelry. Just let it be what it is. Once you get down to the real thing, it will shine and it will glow like the sun. And when we glorify God, that is one of the meanings of that word. It means that you let God be seen for who God is. And I believe, number one, the most important thing, the one of the most important things in all the world is that our world see God as He is. The second one is that we understand how to be reconciled how to be in a relationship with that God. Because He's holy and we're not. How's this going to work out? He is righteous and we are unrighteous. And they're not degrees of righteousness. You're either 100% righteous or you're unrighteous. It's, it's not... Like, well, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm working on that. You can work on it till you die. But you will never be righteous until God gives you His righteousness as a gift of grace. And we're going to unpack more of that. Let's go back to the first one, though. God has to be glorified. The world glorifies God. The universe glorifies God, I, I should say. There, there are three main ways that God has made Himself known, okay? 
three main ways that God has manifested Himself, shown Himself for who He is, glorified Himself. And if we look at them, number one, we can put them in different order, but there is the general revelation. That's not a new word or one I made up. In theological studies, we have what we call general revelation and particular revelation. General revelation is what we learn about God just by walking outside. And we might look through a microscope, or we might look in the macro through a telescope. But the universe itself teaches us about who God is. If you look at creation, and I mean just, boy, it is so fascinating. But if you look at the universe you, you, and how He created if you go back to Genesis 1, He teaches us something about Himself in every move of creation. He, first of all, lets us know that I'm a God of light. You say, well, yeah, there's the sun. No, He, he, he made light... <laughs> Before four days before the sun got here. He said, let there be light because I am a God of light. I'm not a God of darkness. I'm not a God of sneaking around. I'm not a God of hiding. As a matter of fact, when he went into the garden after Adam's sin, one of the first things he had to do was say, Adam, where are you? This is not the kind of God I am. I don't play hide and seek. I am open. Uh, uh, I, I have dispelled darkness. And he says, you need to learn that about me. Our whole world needs to learn that about him. He's also a God of order. He separated light from darkness. He separated water from land, heaven from earth. He separated day from night. He separated humans from animals. And believe it or not, he separated male from female. Now I know. It's mind-blowing, is it not? He's a God of order. He's not just some God that, well, you know, um, He sees things the way I do. He doesn't need to see things the way we do. We need to see things as they are and as He has demonstrated them to us and quit making it up on our own. And when we look at the universe, we can just say, I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displays. And when you get on wearing uh, out the telescope, take a look at the microscope. Look at the little motor on the flagellum of a bacterium. Oh yeah, I know. I knew that would bring the amens. I'm just telling you it's fascinating what God has done. It's amazing. But He taught us about himself he also gave us a special revelation not just general this would be the particular revelation we talked about but that's his word a special revelation there are things he said about himself that he spoke through the prophets we call this the inspired word of god paul says that there's things that you can know about god by looking at the visible things that he made you can understand the invisible things about god Uh, by looking at the visible things. We also can understand more about God by looking at His Word. It's not too popular nowadays, though, and that's so sad. 
Nowadays, I, I hear comments quite often that, well, you know, the Bible is okay, but it's archaic. It's culturally bound. It's dated. And people will say about the Word of God that, well, it, it's, they saw God the way ancient people saw God. And, and that's why they treated women the way they did. And, and that's how, why they, they feared God like they did. And, and all of that is why people think that God had to make some kind of sacrifice. No different than Canaanites sowing virgins in volcanoes. That understanding that God had to kill His Son in order to save us. They look at all of that as it's something that was a part of that ancient culture. And they warn us, I love this part, not to be taken in because the culture of that day affected how people understood God. Have you already caught the irony? Because that is exactly what those people did. Except it was our culture. And it has affected how they see God. They just think our culture's smarter. And I guess we are. Because we finally figured out there's no difference between men and women. How many thousands of years did we go not knowing men could have babies? We just found that out. I feel like an idiot. That's the culture that you are going to let influence how you look at God. You're going to look at Paul. And man, one problem you have already is you have not read the Bible. Boy, that would help so much. Don't you think? Because you would see how Paul treats women. You would even see how Jesus treats women. And you would realize and know that all of that was against the culture of the day. You could not be a witness in court if you were a female. But when the greatest event in all of history took place, which was the resurrection of Jesus, God saw to it that the first witnesses of that event were, oh yeah, they were women. They went and told the disciples, big deal. But then when Peter got back, they got all excited. Probably big eye roll from those gals. <laughs> we told you. Christianity taught that men should love their wives. It, that's, that was not something in ancient culture. Ancient culture didn't teach that a man should love his wife. She was his property. And most of the ancient cultures, especially even around biblical times, especially in the Greek culture, if you wanted to, you could kill your wife. You could just take her life for almost nothing at all. You could just take her out. And she was your property. She belonged to you. But what Paul said about women and Peter and Jesus and all of those, it even went against what Jewish culture said. Remember the Ten Commandments? Don't covet your neighbor's house or his barns, and I'm paraphrasing, or, or his, uh, don't, it did say don't, don't uh, covet his donkey. Sounds a little stronger in the King James. And it also says, don't covet his wife. She's right up there with his donkey. Those were considered property. Don't covet those things. I can tell you, people who've not read the Bible, you don't understand how counterculturally it was. 
Okay? Man, it was very much against the culture. And then the third manifestation that we'll look at is Jesus Christ Himself. When God came to this earth, that is the ultimate revelation of God. If you want to know how God feels about people, look at what Jesus said. If you want to know how He feels about sin, listen to what Jesus said. He was the ultimate revelation of God. Now let's look at the second important statement we've made. How are we to be reconciled to Him? Because we've already discovered as we studied His attributes, as we ma- He manifested Himself, we've already found out that He's holy. That's a problem for us because we're not. He is a holy God, and we are not. He is a righteous God, and we are not. And maybe in our mind, we think of him as some superhero that can kind of just juggle things around. I'm going to tell you, God is true to his nature. And no matter how much he might want to, he can never have fellowship with that which is not holy and he's consistent with that all through the old testament and all through the new testament we are unrighteous and god hates unrighteousness so we have a problem on the front of the sermon handout i quote john piper i just think he makes it so concise God demands righteousness. Do you know most people, when you tell them, they ask you, and I hate it when we make it about getting into heaven, like we're just going to, a few of us are just barely going to get in before he slams the door up there. That's the whole goal of it. No, the goal of it is to have a relationship with God, to be reconciled to him. But if you tell most people to get into heaven, you have to be perfectly Righteous people will know. There is nobody perfectly righteous will know, not on their own. There's no one that can be perfectly righteous, but that's exactly what God demands. Did you read in anywhere in the Bible where God says, do the best you can? Doggone it, if you're not trying hard when I come back, I'm going to put a little mark by your name. It's not like that at all. He demands perfect righteousness, and we don't have it. The only hope for us is that God himself will give the righteousness he demands. Man, that's the gospel in a nutshell. He has to give us the righteousness that he demands. It's like he's put a price on having a relationship with him and all of that is in accordance to his nature he's not just trying to be aloof or or mean in any way shape or form he loves us but he knows that we can never achieve perfect righteousness on our own we can't even achieve cheap righteousness on our own our best righteousness isaiah says is as filthy rags so that's as far as we can go so he says i only can demand perfect righteousness So since you can't achieve it, I will have to give it to you as a gift of grace. That's how you get it. We need salvation. 
all of this is tied in with how how do we get it how how is it that we who are unrighteous how is it that we can even come to know god and 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 we've given you the short version we're going to look now at the longer version of it as we wage on ahead the answer in the book of romans is resoundingly this that we need to be saved not just from our sins but from the wrath of god one of these days on all unrighteousness god is coming and he's bringing hell with him he sure is Oh, that Nazi that blew that child's brains all over its mother's face with his luger. You want him to get him, don't you? He will. But he'll get me too. Because I'm not righteous either. And he'll get you if we are not righteous. So how is it this is going to happen? How does it work? Man, let me just tell you, we didn't read verse 18, but I want to now. In Romans 1, 18, it says, for the wrath of God is revealed. We've just learned that the righteousness of God is revealed, but there's a second revelation, for the wrath of God is revealed. So here the word for, it's God or in the Greek, and it's definitely there. It's not just added to make it smooth. For or because the reason we have to learn what 16 and 17 say and understand them is because of what 18 says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We see a major suppression of truth today. God's given us His design for sexuality, but we suppress it. I I don't know how many of you are into firearms, but uh, uh, you can put a suppressor, a noise suppressor on the end of a gun, and it will suppress the noise. Now, it doesn't quite do it as well as 007's did, but it will calm it down quite a bit it's like a muffler on a car so so it will suppress it a lot of god's truths are so loud they just hurt that that's so raw that's so straight that's so black and white that is so right or wrong man we don't want a god quite like that so we start saying well you know uh you you can live the gay lifestyle and be a christian or you can live uh uh, whatever lifestyle and be a christian and 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 if you want to get married 10 times god's all right with all of that god's all right with all of us in the end we just all going to be fine and 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 we're all going to be in heaven one day just singing and shouting was the truth too loud for you is that why you went there is that why you go to that church that has the suppressor on when they preach the truth it's like zook, zook. i wasn't even planning on doing that that just came to me to do it zook, zook, zook. oh that's better I love our preacher. Oh, my goodness. He's so sweet. He's such, so compassionate. So compassionate. And we have people from all walks of life. We had a drag queen last Sunday who spoke, boy, churches are doing this all the time. I wished I could tell you, yeah, that's crazy. I'm making it up. But no, it's not. 
Churches are having drag. They call them drag you to church Sunday. And they got a guy dressed up like Phyllis Diller. Oh, yeah. Churches love that suppression. God says, love it all you want. But he says, one day I'm coming with my wrath. Let's look at that word, wrath. I think I make note of this on the back of the handout. There are two words for anger in the Bible. One's thumos. That's that quick flash of the temper. That's where something happens one minute, you're calm, and the next minute you're, you're throwing things. You know, it's just quick. It hits you fast, and it leaves you fast. Boy, nothing will help calm you down, though, like immediate consequences of that, right? You ever turn around to throw a ratchet, and then you knock the windshield out of one of your other cars? It'll calm you right down. Now you use $600 in the hole. Yeah. That, it hits fast. It, it, it goes away fast. That's one kind of anger in in the Greek. Another kind, though, is orge, and that is the word that is used here for wrath. Orge is the kind of wrath that would be more passive-aggressive. It waits. It's not immediately evident. I'm sure there are people in our world right now that are thinking, man, if God is going to come and judge a place, He probably already would have, you know? So who cares? Just live life, man. Let it go. I mean, you know, this preachers have been preaching for years. And one of these days, God's going to come back and, and boy, he's going he's to tear hides up. He's going to fight against wrath. He's going to throw all sin and the devil and all wickedness into hell. And it'll be gone forever. And, and that his saints will live with him throughout eternity. Preachers have been preaching that for years. When's it going to happen? Does it look like to most that it's even going to? A couple of things about this. It's not Thumas, so it's not God just losing his temper. Boy, God couldn't afford to have a temper. I don't mean the kind like we have. Could you imagine having the power of God when somebody pulls out in front of you on the highway? I think I turned their car into an airplane and put them up in the sky and they won't be in my way anymore. <laughs> God's not losing his temper. It's something he has hated from the beginning. When he told Adam and Eve, I'm going to put one point of sovereignty in this garden, I'm going to give you one tree from which you are not to because in this relationship, as intimate as it is, I come hang out with you every day. You got to know that I'm God and you're not. And that didn't bother a soul until Satan walked in, slithered in, and he told Adam and Eve, told Eve, says, has God really said that? Did God really say that you shouldn't eat from every tree? See, he starts off with a question. And then he goes right on and he says he doesn't want you to do it because he is hiding something from you. Just like people that stopped years ago resisting the promiscuous lifestyle. Man, people were just trying to hide things from me. 
They were trying to keep me. Man, I want to sleep with my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, shack up together, whatever it is. I want to be gay. I want to be whatever. I want to be. I, I want to get drunk every day of my life if I want to. And the people that were telling me that's wrong, it's just some old dumb preacher somewhere that doesn't want anybody to have any fun. His life is miserable and he wants ours to be. Remember, you used to think that about your parents, too. I can tell you, one day, God is going to come and bring His wrath. And when He does, you and I are going to need to be saved from it. You know, we teach in our membership class that Scripture talks about we are saved, we are being saved, and we shall be saved. You see, it's a process. It's not just that I got saved and got shoved out into the world on my own, and now here I go. No, it's not like that. And we'll talk about that more. But I am still having to depend on Jesus Christ every day of my life. The reason you fail so much The reason you are so horrible at being a Christian, maybe this is not for you, but maybe for some of you, you're like, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, I want to hear this. I need it. Well, the reason you're so horrible at being a Christian is because you keep trying to do it on your own. It was God that saved you, and it is God that's saving you right now. The cross and what He did is sacrifice on the cross that continues to save you. And then one day from that wrath that is going to come on this earth, we will be saved from that. We'll unpack all of that in the days ahead. Romans chapter 2, verse 5. I don't want to skip around a lot, but I'm going to read a few other verses. Romans 2, 5 says, But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up this orge, this wrath for yourself. It's just building up. It's just building up. You, you've seen people who had the orge? Oh, Yeah. It's the, oh, no, what? no, it's fine. No, don't, no, don't worry about it. I mean, I, I mean, you said what you said, and I, that's, that's all right. I, 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 at least now I know how you feel. Oh, man, let that set for about six months. Your house will be on fire. Yeah, it just grows. And it grows. He says, because of your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourselves in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Yeah, he's coming with it. So we have two revelations here, one of his righteousness and one of his wrath. Now, we're not going to end on a real negative note if we can today, but I still have a little more intro work to do because... We've got to lay a good foundation. He says here that it is His righteousness. The righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, but the righteous man shall live by faith. 
I did a lot of reading this week from some of Piper's notes on these verses. He's probably the best scholar I've ever read on these two verses. One of the things he did when he preached them was he said, I want to read them wrong one time. He says, because by reading them wrong, I believe I can highlight what is right. And so he went back and he read them like this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. No problem. Verse 17. For in it, the love of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith. Boy, that highlights a big misconception in our world. That all of this business about having to repent and receive God's righteousness as a gift, all of this stuff about having to be saved, it is all nullified in some people's thinking by His love. God's nice. And He loves us. Boy, that's, that's it. Whew. That's what saves us is His love. Well, that's a big part of it. But God can love you and you go straight to hell when you die. The rich young ruler walked away without salvation. And Mark says that God looked at him. Jesus looked at him as he walked away. And loved him. But he didn't save him. He loved him. See, a lot of people think that all of this, all of this, this whole book of Romans, my goodness, Mike, why don't you, why don't you just get a good story or two by Max Licato and read it and we'll, you know, and how do like him. But why don't you just, why can't we talk about that? And, and people they, they just like water in a drain. They always wind up right there. All but the love of God. Ooh-wee. He loves us all. I'm glad He does. And that just satisfies people, and they don't look any further. They feel like, well, God loves us. There's no way a loving God is going to let somebody die and go to hell. He's just not going to do that. That is not what that verse says. Because what I need in order to become perfectly righteous before God. And I must have that if I'm going to spend eternity with Him. I need not just His love. I need for Him to give me His righteousness as a gift of grace. Otherwise, otherwise I will die lost without Him. I need His righteousness. God demands it. He demands it. And He came and died on the cross so that He could be justified in giving it. It was God that said only death can pay for sin. So when it came time to pay for my sins, He did it. Even if I had died. I'm not a spotless lamb, so I would not have been worthy of dying for my sin. But He was sinless, and He came, and He died. And that's why in 1 John it says He is not only faithful to forgive my sins, but He's also what? Just. He is just. He didn't break laws. 
He didn't go in the court, the divine um, courtroom up there. I don't know if they have one or not, Steve. Maybe. But he went into. He didn't go into the records and say, "I'm going to jostle around with them." I'm God. I said only death can pay for sin, but I was really having a bad day that day. I'm going to say now, if you really are sorry. We'll be all right. Uh-uh. He said, I said only death can pay for sin. The death of a spotless lamb. And he's the one that came and he died. So he's justified, friend. Do you understand what he did for you? He is fully justified. He couldn't just sit up there in heaven where everything is all cool. He, he's, he didn't just stay up there where he was, boy. <laughs> you think anybody in heaven, I, I know, I'm about to say something stupid here now. Not surprising, right? But it, had he had a beard in heaven, nobody up there jerked his beard out. He says, pray all. He told his disciples, he said, I wish, I'll paraphrase, Doc. He told his disciples, I wish you, I, oh, I wish I could explain to you guys. He could, but they couldn't understand it. But I wish your brain was big enough to where you could comprehend what it's like in heaven. He said, I tell you what do. Just pray that my will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when you see how it's done in heaven, you're going to be impressed. They don't argue with me in heaven. Monday is a holy day in heaven. And so is Tuesday. And so is every other day. Nobody fights with me, argues with me. Nobody accuses me of being mean or narrow. Nobody does any of that in heaven. My will is done perfectly in heaven. He said, pray that my will on earth would be done the same way. But he left that place and he came here. Remember that the next time God decides to send you somewhere like, oh, I don't know, Nicaragua, Lee, or India. Or maybe you'd rather go to India than across the road to apologize to your neighbor for shooting his pit bull. That was in the bassinet with your baby. See, I'm, 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 I'm trying to help you here. <laughs> Maybe when we start grumbling about, well, I just don't think God expects this or that. Let me tell you something. All of that was taken care of when God left where he was large and in charge. And he came here and he lived in this gosh awful place called earth and he got sick and he hurt and he grew tired and then they slaughtered him like a cursed animal on a cross make sure you remember that it's called the incarnational model of ministry he took on flesh and went somewhere where he was not respected he was not well liked he was not a super somebody they called him a liar they told him, you work for the devil. And then finally they crucified him. Man. You know, it's kind of interesting. I've been, 
quite a few places in the world and preached. And I wouldn't take anything for it. I'll just tell you this while I catch my breath. One of the most enjoyable sermons I ever preached, I preached on Elijah. And when he slew the prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel. And I preached that to a bunch of college kids on Mount Carmel. Man, we didn't even need cool backgrounds. The Valley of Megiddo was right behind me. And that was so awesome. And they got this really politically incorrect statue of Elijah. He's got a sword in his hand. And he's about to come down across somebody's neck. Uh, they'd have to tear that down if that was here. We just, you know. Uh, I'm telling you, that was one of the most awesome experiences ever. The gospel demands righteousness and we don't have it. The only hope for us is that God himself will give us the righteousness that he demands. That's salvation. I, I'm dying to go on. And I will next week. I hope you'll come back. Those Carnival Cruise tickets, sell them. It's overrated. Probably got COVID anyway on the boat. I hope you'll come back. I hope you'll go tell people, Preacher Mike, don't know what happened to him. He's preaching the most important sermon I ever heard him preach in my life. And he's going to be doing it for a couple more weeks. He didn't even get to the scripture today. Because we're going to get there. But this is what I want you to know while you're still fresh. I don't want to keep you here too long and then tell you this. I, I want you to hear this. If you have never, I don't care about joining church, all that stuff, that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing. I don't care if you try to be decent. There are a lot of people that are on their deathbed and they're banking on the fact that they always treated people right. Especially if you treat them right. They gave everybody a fair shake. Some of them are even at another level. They give you the shirt off their back. There are a lot of people that are gasping for those last few breaths. And they're hoping that's going to do it. And it's not. If you're here today and you've never, and maybe these words, using these words is not as important as you understanding what these words mean. But if you have never got on your face before God, bowed your head before God, whether that's a physical bow or a humble, a sign of humility, where you come to him. Because remember, and we'll talk about this more, he said it starts with faith and it ends with faith. If you've never said, God, I cannot do this on my own. 
I am unrighteous, God. And I have to put my faith in your righteousness. And God, right now, I want to receive your righteousness as a gift of grace that I don't deserve. You wouldn't need faith if you deserved it. You could send God a bill. He'd owe it. He owes you nothing. He owes none of us anything. But if you've never gone to him and said, God, I, 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 I cannot do it on my own. It is by faith I come to you right now. Don't try to remember all these words. Remember the, what I'm saying to you. If you've never said, God, I want you to save me. If you, maybe you never understood what saved was. Saved from what? You are unrighteous. Did you get that? And it wasn't just you. We all are outside of the righteousness of God. But don't just keep waiting on it to finally one day hit you at church. It doesn't go around like COVID. You got to go before God and say, God, I want that. I humbly right now come to you, God, and I give up. I surrender all, just as I am, Lord, without one plea. Have thine own way, Lord. I want to give myself to you. I want to give myself to you, God. And I want to receive a gift from you right now that I don't deserve. I want you to save me. I want you to save me, God. And we're going to see in the weeks ahead how that once you are saved, He keeps saving you. Now don't get all mixed up. You are saved. But He says in Romans chapter 1, if you go back a few verses, he said, I am eager to come and preach the gospel to you. These people are saints. Why is he wanting to preach the gospel to them? Because they're just like us. They got saved and got shoved out into a world where they feel like, well, boy, getting saved was all about God. I just fell at his feet and I cried out for mercy and I repented of my sins and all of that. And now I'm kind of on my own. No, you are not. Keep repenting and keep falling on your face before God. And just like you depended on him to save you, depend on him to keep you safe. And one of these days when you do take that last breath, he says, you shall be saved. Because one day when I cut it all loose, you're going to want to be. You're going to want to be. Man, maybe you've, the fight's already started in you. Maybe you're already sitting there thinking, yeah, but my goodness, I've been a leader in church, and I wonder if church leaders will have their own place in hell so they can talk about why in the world did we come here after all the years I cut the grass or cleaned the cemetery or whatever you did. I'm telling you, people don't understand how salvation works I want us to bow our heads I have no doubt and close your eyes no one looking around 
I have no doubt in a crowd this size, there's got to be someone that you know right now, you weren't planning on it when you got up this morning, but you know right now you are at the biggest crossroads you've ever faced in your life. You know right now that what you've heard is true. And you know right now that what you need to do is repent, humbly ask God to forgive your sin and to give you His righteousness, to take away all that junk you've been doing on your own, that decent living, that only cussing a few days a week, that trying not to drink too much, that trying to to make that fifth marriage work or whatever it is you're doing. You know right now that you just need desperately to give all of that up. Don't bring that to God. Come to Him right now with a humble heart. And I don't care if you say it out loud. I don't care if you whisper it. You're not talking to me. I don't have to hear it. But God needs to. Maybe you need to say, Lord, I need for you to save my sinful soul. And I need your righteousness as a gift, God. I need to be 100% perfectly righteous, and I can't do it on my own. Our Father, I come to You right now. And I ask You, God, just please help us. Help us to understand what Your Word is trying to teach us, God. And I pray especially for that person that may be sitting here today. Lord, it may be a whisper, but they're crying out to You. They've been a good person for years, but they've never been saved. They've never known what salvation really was. I pray, God, right now that you would touch that heart. Help that person, Lord. Draw them to you. We pray for that. We know they can't come unless you do that. Draw them to you right now. And I pray, God, in the next few weeks that you would help us as we get into what being saved really means. What does the gospel have for us after we are saved? I pray, God, you'd help us with that. Thank you, Lord. We prayed that we'd feel your spirit here today, and we have. And I pray, God, now that you would do your work. Do that work, God, that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to know more about Cornerstone, please visit our website at servantsway.com or email us at office at servantsway.com. Cornerstone Fellowship is located at 1186 Hudlow Road, Forest City, North Carolina. 
Please join us again next week.